So we're rolling. Cool. We are live. This is You're Doing It Wrong with Mark Henderson Leary. And my name is Mark. And I have a passion that you should feel in control of your life. And so I want to help entrepreneurial leaders feel more in control of their business. And today I'm here with Matt Gilbert, and I, I'm really, really excited to, to talk to Matt for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that uh, he's a passionate, smart guy, a, a passionate Christian, um, like a, a parent of kids from ages, am I get this right, nine through 31? Yeah, all girls. And, and gra- you got five grandkids? <laughs> Keep counting, yeah, there's five so far. The youngest one is almost two months? Correct, yes, sir. And so... I'm, I love that because you're an entrepreneur in, in, in many iterations and you're a business advisor and your identity as I see it is very whole. Thank you. I've worked hard at that. How, how does, how does that, how does, well, let's go right to the, I, the, my favorite part. I love working with teams who are religious. Okay. Because they are so timid about being religious. Yeah. They want to hide it. And that it's sad. Be authentic, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think if you're authentic, um, that comes across. You know, you're not going to be all things to all people. Uh, and your people can find you if you're authentic. And then you can uh, build great relationships and, and, and advance the ball in whatever you're trying to do. So how, how have you, I mean, you know, reading, talking to you and seeing how you present it and you write down your bio, it's right up front, passionate Christian. You have no problem with that. Have, have you struggled with that? As it was, I was always that way. How did you come to be comfortable with that? Oh true. boy. Yeah. Put some more tape in. Um, we, so. we're down to the last 197 <laughs> hours on this, on this card. <laughs> Uh, so it, it goes way back. I won't bore you, but my, uh, most of my life, my mother has been a missionary abroad. Uh, and, and so there has always been this, um, uh, you use the word religious, religious component to my world, right? And uh, as you become an adult and come into your own, you've got to figure out what that means for you personally. You can't just piggyback on your parents' faith is my belief. And uh, and it took me a long time to come around. I, I uh, early on was, was pretty successful in business and uh, got caught up in, uh, in the world and, and all that being uh, young and successful in business entails and kind of had my identity wrapped up in that and was having kids and a family. And uh, really, you just said, you know, something about being whole. I was completely out of balance as a person at that point in my life. And so if you fast forward up to, you know, mid to late 30s and a lot of uh, experiences and, and life being lived uh, up to that point, I began to uh, challenge myself in uh, character values and integrity and, uh, you know, just uh, kind of all the qualities of a person. And then those translate over into business and you know i didn't i I found that sometimes not always but sometimes i had a a a business personality and i had a church personality and i had a dad personality and i had a you know a husband personality you had to make switches like they weren't they weren't compatible they didn't seem that they were compartmentalized very compartmentalized and 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 that wasn't 100 percent me but uh you know i i just Somewhere in my mid to late 30s, early 40s, began to decide that I'm going to be who I am. 
I'm going to wear it with pride. I'm going to just be authentic. And if you don't like that, go find another friend, go find another boss, <laughs> go find another place to work. You know, you can't necessarily find another dad, but, um, <laughs> you know, spend less time with him. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so the last 10 years have just been me wearing, uh, you know, my skin, uh, and, and letting the world just know that that's who I am. And if, if you don't like it, go somewhere else or, you know, we just uh, agree to disagree. So that's not the first time I've heard something like that. But what I've experienced and what I've heard people point out to me is that when w- there's a homeostatic tendency in the world, m- which a lot of people means a lot of different things to different people. So that's maybe a distracting term. But the point is that when you make a change and an individual makes a change, the rest of the world is going to subtly or not so subtly try to prevent that change mm-hmm, absolutely and so if you decide you're going to get up early there's somebody who was like i wanted to sleep in i i, I, I want to stop watching tv there's somebody well i want i want to watch that show with you in, in your personal world and so what was it like to i mean we say so boldly and you know, if you don't like it you know do something mm-hmm. different yep. i'm assuming there were some pretty immediate consequences to that with, well, well number one it's an iterative process right yeah i didn't wake up one day and decide to quit being the old person to start being the new person right it's it's figuring out how to let go and change and and, you know and 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 reveal and things like that i would say definitely my children and my uh, spouse and my business partners and those who are absolutely the closest to me um I, i didn't come out and make an announcement right i just went through this iterative process and it was the hardest for them to accept because they knew this guy for 30 years or 20 years or 40 years and 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 now all of a sudden the last six months things are a little different See, i was and, terrified you were going to say they all embraced it because that's the normal thing I, oh my spouse has got so so supportive of me <laughs> everybody's been so eat i'm like that's not my life like, yeah. every time i try to do something hard to help myself be better i feel like everyone's against me sometimes so so it was it was people were not comfortable at first yeah, yeah. Well, they, I think they they questioned which was authentic and which wasn't, right? Because it's different than what I what I know. Okay. Um, you know, my, every time my wife goes on a diet and starts eating salad, she accuses me of you know going straight to the bluebell and chocolate and sabotaging yeah. that. You know, and 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 there's some of that in everything that we do, and so. You know, uh, making the conscious choice to be bold with my faith and to be bold with my business activities and to be bold with my, um, for instance, everybody in my life knows not to invite me to happy hour or something after work uh, because I want to run home and be with my family. Okay. And, you know, making money is why I'm at business. Uh, I don't really get. Um, mix that with a social aspect because I have my church community and my home community and my neighborhood and my family and my kids and my grandkids and all those are where I get those other things fulfilled. So when I'm at work, I want to work. You know, right. I don't want to hang out and go to happy hour and you know those. That's just not me. I, if I have that kind of time, I want to go sit down and uh, play Barbie or you know with a grandkid or uh, ride a bike with somebody and that's just. You know, I don't, I don't want to miss that anymore. Because you've got a lot of kids to take. To, to, to I do. Well, they're not. A, yeah, they're not all local. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I'm I'm really pleased to be in that position. I, I feel blessed. That's so. that's that's incredible. So I'm. You said, and this is everybody has some sort of story like this. Uh, 
we're kind of working backwards from like the idea you're you're feeling pretty pretty in integrity with yourself not seems like i'm sure you're there's areas you're trying to improve and every morning you're like i wish i was going to get up earlier or whatever that was right working that back to some of the challenges but you just you said something i think your word was something like out of balance or something to that effect like mm-hmm. it wasn't like this before and entrepreneurs i know so many of them have a great deal of out of balance what was your out of balance uh, well, the, I, I said that in relation to to being a young parent, twenty year old business person, that kind of thing, and um, you know, I just I just felt like I grew up a certain way, and I felt like proving myself in the business world and financially and all that kind of stuff was um, more important than a more mature me knew that it is um out of balance right now you know i'm always course correcting uh i stayed up till 2 30 in the morning last night um working on you know a a project and returning emails and stuff like that and um that was because at about 8 30 uh i went and put my youngest kid to bed and uh, i ate dinner with my family and you know i just wasn't able to I, i have this personal thing where I, I'm not going to go to bed until I um, fulfill all the promises I made throughout the day to do something that day. And sometimes somebody will say, "Hey, wait a minute, we want to play Yahtzee." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and and so you you know you run through this mental checklist. Well, I can't play Yahtzee. I promised so and so I'd get this, and I promised I'd do that, and I just don't have 45 minutes for you. And then you go, "Wait a minute, you're my world." Yes, yeah. I'll play Yahtzee. And I'll put you to bed, and well, I'll take a bath, and then I'll sneak upstairs, and I'll work for three hours, and that was kind of what happened yesterday. So, there's a little out of balance going on at all the time, um, and I and I'm growing a business uh, like a lot of your listeners probably are, and and, and you can't do that in forty hours, uh, you know. It it takes fifty to eighty to a hundred. Uh, just depending on how things are going, and and uh, you know, I'm committed to doing that uh, as well as I possibly can. And so, sometimes you give up sleep, sometimes you give up a you know a weekend or or uh, you know cut a vacation short, and then other times you know you've you've got the flexibility, you've got the momentum uh, to freak your family out and go, hey, let's stay three extra days. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> what'd you do with my dad? Yeah. Well, you know that kind of thing. Well, that's a state of Oh, so I mean, there's so much going on because, like, we, in my mind, which happens so often, I uh, hear people start talking, and I just all the gears start turning. But the concept of balance. So I heard somebody tell me many years ago that they didn't believe in balance, and it was a light, uh, lightning strike moment for me because up until that moment, I had sort of believed believed the common wisdom that you were seeking balance. Everybody was seeking balance. There's no such thing as balance. Balance is not real. There are seasons in life. There are recipes to, that that change based on what you need at any given part of your life and that was so that's actually Rory Vaden from um, he has a couple books uh, Take, uh, Take the Stairs another one is uh, Procrastinate on Purpose both fantastic books but, but he talks about seasons which my, my description on that is that um, you know if you want to make a cake there is there are ingredients there's flour and there's sugar and, and butter and um, if sugar tastes good if I put more sugar in there and more and more sugar, eventually it's not a cake. It's not a cake. Right. And so do you need a cake or do you need a hard candy? And you have to decide because you don't want the flour and the and eggs and, and other things in your hard candy, but you need the sugar. And so understanding at any given time, which I think this is where it just is maddeningly difficult at any given time, what the real, the real hard question is, what are you making? Like, are you baking a cake? Are you in college? Are you trying to, 
you know, go all in on education and building a career for yourself. What is that career? And yes, that's totally out of balance in terms of many things. And then you've got a family. What are you trying to do? That's a totally different set of balance. And so I'm, I'm thinking about how have you had to adjust the recipe? Yeah, it's a it, uh, wow. You mentioned right before you turned the power on here that this wasn't going to go where I thought, and you're right. Uh, <laughs> my, I, if I slip and say Karen, that's my wife. Uh, she's she's my better half and and the person I like to visit with the most. And and Karen and I have had this ongoing, never ending conversation intensely for about three years. And uh, and that whole cake hard candy thing is it. Uh, the whole balance or not balance thing is it. What we've come to for ourselves and our family is we don't want to be average in any way in anything we do. And, uh, you know, I think balance delivers average and mediocrity in every category. And if you want to be a, a, an overachiever and an outperformer in one thing, well, you've got to give up something else in order to devote the time and the energy and the infrastructure to being an overachiever in that one thing. And so the question becomes uh, for us as a family and certainly for business owners as a uh, as an entity, um, nonprofits that I'm involved in, we, we, have these, we wrestle with these same things, right? What are we going to quit doing so that we can concentrate more efforts, you know, like a laser beam on the things that are really, really important to us? And then... Um, how do we get along in society? You know, like my nine-year-old still goes to school. So, um, you know, most of our vacations throughout the school year are on three-day weekends. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that just trashes a 10-day cruise, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right? So, you know, all these things come into play, but we have decided as 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 a husband and wife that um, you know, we've, we've got a lot of places in our history where we were mediocre. Oh, and um, and we just don't want that anymore. We would rather have few balls juggling in the air and be outstanding in those areas uh, than to have a lot of balls juggling and be known as a good juggler but be mediocre in everything. So I, I love that, and it, I want to go as specific as you're comfortable because I, it reminds me of – well, actually, the thing I wanted to brought up as well, there's sacrifice required to do that. Excellence requires sacrifice. Absolutely. J.J. Watt talks about, like, you think it want, you want to be me? Like, you think it's cool going to bed at 8 every night? I go to bed 8 every night. I get 10 hours sleep minimum because I've got, I'm beating myself up every single day and I, I can't recover. And so uh, you have to give up something you want to get something you want more. Yeah. And that's a sacrifice. So when you're talking about excellence, what are the things you're starting to say no to? Uh, what some of the things that I'm starting to say yes to um, over the last handful of years, number of years, is uh, you know back to the religion thing. Our church family and our uh, religious um, schedule and things like that have really become a priority, and so uh, we can't do gymnastics on Wednesday night. Ah. Uh. Um, you know, we can't um, go to the movie on Sunday night. Oh, we could. I mean, we could make an exception, uh, but we have chosen not to, right? And uh, and those choices have consequences, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and you have to, hopefully, in advance, you've you've understood most of the consequences, and you come to grips with that. You know, in order to do this or be this or achieve this, 
I, I'm willing to let those things go, and so that you don't harbor any resentment or or you know dread that that's happening. But uh, for us, it's there's a to do list, and for every to do list, there's a what are we going to give up? What are we going to stop doing? What are we going to slow down? How are we going to create the time and the resources in order to do those things excellent? And so, you know, at this season in my life, from a family standpoint, it's every Thursday. Um, my, I have four daughters. We talked about daughter, son-in-law, two boys live next door. Okay. Uh, my mom lives across the street. A couple other kids on the other side of town. Every Thursday night at six o'clock. That's today, by the way. Okay. Um, well, we, we, we have to wrap up. <laughs> no, we're three and a half hours. Uh, we we have a family dinner, um, and you know it's not everybody can always show up. Uh, but we have had a couple of family meetings and said, you know, if you guys are willing to make this a priority, we really want to as the parents. I'm the patriarch. And um, so we're going to set the table and, you know, we're going to expect you to be there unless you call or text or whatever and say that you're not coming. Okay. There's a place set for you. There's enough food for you. If you want to bring a friend, bring a friend. Uh, but every Thursday night, we have this family dinner. And it's funny that the smallest children in the room are are the ones that turned it into a thing really because they were so vocal to their parents and one of them's my kid and i'm a parent and <laughs> and it was like this is the greatest thing i do all week i look forward to thursday dinner i look forward to the conversation i look forward to everybody put their cell phone down we sit around the table we sometimes we play a game you know the it's just our and, and that is pretty recent that's two years old but it's become a staple in our lives so consequently i don't travel on thursday night if i am doing business um i I can't think of the last time i traveled on thursday night i'm going to next week but that was probably the first time in two years wow um and so how many people come to this um counting friends and everything there's probably 10 or 12 on average um there's been bigger and there's been smaller but that's probably average okay Um, is it it largely how, how much rotation is there Almost none. I mean, you know, all of us live across the street next door to each other. That's the core group. Okay. Right. And so so we're always there. And then somebody brings a friend or whatever. You know, some my other kids are in town. Uh, then it gets bigger. But um, the core group is probably, I don't know, 10, just say 10 people. And, uh, and three elementary age kids that uh, – can be as loud and you know run around and jump and they, they get to see great grandma and they get to see grandpa and ma and and that may be the only time that week they get that time with those you know people in the family so how does that because i love the community aspect of that and for a million reasons it's i've always struggled to try to keep healthy community in my world for a whole other set of reasons that probably would be a whole other podcast or two <laughs> but how does that how does that how do you manage maybe the compartmentalization is does does that community extend into your business community are they totally separate does there overlap a little venn diagram of a couple here and there i mean or is that is that family world just completely separate no it's not separate at all my wife and i were uh at a celebratory dinner we we scored a a a big closing with a client um, on christmas eve actually thanks to the team for all working to make that happen um last week or 10 days ago we had a a big celebratory dinner um and you know it was it was everybody that was involved and bring your spouse Mm -hmm. um so you know that she was there um i've got one of my daughters that 
on and off as needed. I'll pull her into projects for the company and whatnot. I, I have literally taken my nine-year-old, and I love to do this, and she loves to go to business meetings and let her just be there and see what I do and and be a part of it. And um, sometimes it's a shock when I walk in with my little nine-year-old daughter for the very first time when I meet a business owner. But when I explain it, there's so much respect, and and he'll end up talking to her more than he talks to me. And right. you know, it's just cool. Yeah, actually, that was a specific topic I wanted to kind of go into is exactly that kind of thing is the because my daughter's the same way. She's I, I was she was older before I could get her sort of really involved for. I don't know if it was maybe it's just my head trash or my beliefs, but but finally, oh no, I know what it is actually in retrospect. She was so busy in high school, mm-hmm. even middle school, there just wasn't any time from her. And so finally when summers opened up and she was doing a little less, uh, in fact, I even sort of, I ordered, organized a little ride along trip. I had some entrepreneurial friends who were willing to spend some time with her and I, and I organized it that she could spend you know a couple hours or a half a day with them and, and that was really eye-opening for her. And when she finally had the time and, and ability to, to, to ride along with me, it was such a privilege. It was awesome just to see her and see her engage. And, and it's like you said, people in the room start like, Oh, this girl's got some perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's hear what she's got to say. Right. And so it was, uh, it was, it was awesome to do that. So, how do you um, manage the legacy and mentorship and, and connect all flow, all the flows of information and, and, and perspective throughout the entire family? Uh, I, I don't know that I uh, consciously manage it at all. It just is what it is. Uh, my wife rode with me all day yesterday. We had to run down to the medical center. Uh, in the morning, we ate lunch together. We ran a couple areas for her. Um, and it was a Wednesday, typical Wednesday for me. So the entire trip, by the way, we live an hour from the medical center. So, you know, it was a lot of highway time. Um, uh, the, the entire trip, I was uh, the driving and on the speakerphone talking to people that work with me and business owners and accountants and lawyers and, and, um, some of them use foul language, you know. I was going to say the same thing. I, I was on the other end of that one time, and I was, and I got, I said some foul language, and the guy I was talking to said, "By the way, my 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 eight year old daughter yeah, in the right. car." I was like, "Oh." Uh, so uh, yeah, so yesterday I started uh, uh, unconsciously. I think I started most conversations. Um, everybody knows if you know me for 10 minutes, you know my wife and kids' names. Uh, I just started every conversation by, "Hey, Karen's listening," and for me that was a a signal that you know she's not in the business don't get all riled up don't start cussing me out you know just be cool and uh i think it was at lunch or maybe on the drive home she's like how come you start all these phone calls with karen's listening and i'm like well number one you're on speakerphone and that's you know courtesy to the other party this is not a private uh, this conversation is a, right yeah. this is a business call there and you're hearing the conversations they're very intimate um business owner things and uh and number two i don't want them to embarrass themselves or me you know <laughs> by just being guys yeah and, which is very real <laughs> very possible and uh you know i'm not sure she bought it but uh, that was uh i didn't even realize i was doing it until she called me out on it and so uh your your question i think was how do you manage all these mm-hmm. communications yeah. and how they flow over into different aspects of your life and i really don't think i manage it at all i you know um it, it seems like every 
where we go and every meal we're at and you know the texts are going off the phone's ringing and it's a business issue and and uh and i have to decide am i going to get up and walk over in the corner and take this one or not we all deal with that right um and and i have gotten to where uh, you know if if the scenario lends itself to it i just put on speakerphone and just let it let my wife and kids i don't do this with other people but let my wife and kids into my business world see what i deal with see where the stress comes from see you know how i kind of they paint me into a corner and i have to make a commitment to get something tonight out to them on email before i go to bed and they can understand that a little more Mm. uh if if they're exposed to it a little a little bit it's interesting because i a couple of things in there one is the habit side of that it sounds like a lot of the decisions that you that have given you that openness uh, is just habit by now. You just you, mm-hmm. you're just kind of do I put this one on the speaker or not? And it, and if I can, I do. And that's happened a thousand times since then. And so it's just a little trickle effect because I I think what, you, what the the picture you paint that what I see and take away from this is a pretty full, transparent, highly interconnected, healthy sounding, holistic. A lot of adjectives here. Yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, Can I meet that guy? Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, like, oh, no, I don't really think about it. It's like, well, there's some intentionality. There should be some intentionality. I bet at some point there was some intentionality. Did Did you just build habits and you've been and been reaping the benefits of that? Or because th- this is not easy stuff. I, I don't think. I don't think what you're doing is easy. To be able to 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 keep a connected family, keep your spiritual priorities high, be successful in business, have great communication with your kids. Those things are competing for each other in most people's lives, but it seems in balance for you. To what extent was that intentional? And and do you go back and recalculate? Absolutely intentional. Like I said, mid thirties, early forties, figuring out how to go from the other end of the spectrum into where I'm at now. It wasn't ripped the bandaid off today. We're different than we were yesterday. It was an iterative, it, it still is. I mean, we're still going through it. You know, I, I announce, um, hey, my daughter's listening or my wife's on the phone when somebody's on speakerphone because of the, um, the confidential nature of 95% of my conversations. Um, and sometimes uh, a, a client, Chad, did it to me yesterday. He said, hey, I don't want to talk about this in that scenario just call me back later you know when you're able to concentrate you're by yourself um and so you know there's a uh kind of a measurement of can i pull this off with my nine-year-old hearing right now Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. can i trust the person on the other end of the line to respect the nine-year-olds here and listening and you know i want her to know what it means to to that Here's a good example. Probably not a good example. I'll give it to you anyway. Uh, <laughs> my oldest, who's 31 now, I believe, uh, when she was in elementary school, we had an environmental service company. Okay. And, um, and that basically meant that we were handling hazardous waste all the time, all day, really tricky stuff, and uh, highly regulated, yada, yada, yada. We sold that company to a company who uh, merged with waste management 30 days after we sold them. Mm. And, and and my daughter was in like second or third grade or something. And so we start pointing out waste management garbage trucks driving around going, hey, that's who we sold our company to. That's who I work for now. Here's my business card, you know. And so she goes to school and on um, career day, 
<laughs> you know, some people have doctors and lawyers and accountants and, you know, bankers. And, and I was introduced as the garbage man, <laughs> you know, so because it, the perspective that I had given her is, you know, we sold out to people with garbage trucks. Uh, and and so, uh, I, you know, that was something that that I still think about today. And and now I have a my fourth daughter is young and in that space. And um, I, I just don't want her to have uh, not too rosy of a picture of what this is like because business is hard. Oh my gosh! You know, it's it's hard. It's hard to be a an employer. It's hard to be you know the buck stops here guy. Um, it's, it, it's hard to talk people into uh, trusting you for the largest transaction of their life when they've only recently met you. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to make it look too easy. Uh, on the other hand, um, you know, one thing about having four daughters is I never wanted them to have to depend on anybody else, uh, a husband, a man, a boyfriend, or anything like that. Go get your education, get your confidence, have skills and abilities to take care of yourself if you ever have to. If you choose to get married, you choose to have kids, whatever, those are choices. But don't do them because you have to. And so just building in those young people the fact that um, they really can do anything they want uh, if they set their mind to it and they prioritize things right uh, and they have high level integrity and uh, transparency and, and, and character along the way, they can, they can do that. And that is what um, uh, 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 certainly at this company, at this stage of my life, uh, you know, that is what I'm – trying to uh, demonstrate and live out in front of them so i mean there's uh, there's what you said reminded me a little bit of uh i had lunch with a friend today the startup uh ceo of a company that's uh creating some emerging technology with uh, vis- uh facial identification uh that you would think would apply to security and that kind of thing it's highly accurate facial recognition for identifying people they have used this to um begin to revolutionize the event business for for identifying vi especially vip guests and uh, and there's a whole it's a, it's amazing and, and fun and phenomenal to see what he's doing with this but the reason i mentioned is he was telling me that uh he, he was speaking at the university where he studied uh, and, and talking to them about entrepreneurship and he was like here here's the deal with entrepreneurship um don't do it <laughs> don't do it it's if you if it's way worse than you think now for me i wouldn't do anything else he was saying it for yeah. himself like you know like I, I i you know it's you shouldn't do it i'm doing it because i can't do anything else and he isn't his, his point is to say that maybe maybe that's you too but uh maybe you should be doing it but entrepreneurship and business uh, like, like, don't underestimate. You know, it's like it's a it's a real deal, and sometimes. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's the hardest thing. You know, my uh, my dad all growing up and his whole career, um, as long as I've been alive anyway, was in the FAA, air traffic controller world, that kind of thing. That when when you start reading lists of the most stressful jobs, that's always in the top two or three of the most stressful jobs. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in the airport tower. I'm a pilot. My dad was in that world. I watched it happen. Um, he never missed a paycheck. Right. He always knew when he was going to work. When he was off work, nobody called him. You know, all of these things. And I, being a business owner, an entrepreneur, especially in the lower middle market where you're small and, and you just you put the burdens on your own shoulders, and you and you're either going to win or you're going to lose. And you know, I've 
I, I've walked in and told my wife, hey, we need to mortgage our house to make payroll on Friday. Um, yeah. How hard a conversation is that? You know, a, a, a wife, her number one thing in my experience is she needs security. Right. I agree. You, yeah. you tell her you're going to go mortgage your house. Well, here's what that con- uh, that conveys is you didn't manage your business well enough that you got yourself into a point where you can't make payroll on Friday. Why should I give up my house betting that you're going to manage it well between here and there so I can get my house back? Absolutely. You know, I've had to do that. Um, my brother, wh- he's uh, four years younger than I am. And when he was a teenager, he came to work for a company that my partner and I owned. Uh, still have the same partner. Very proud of that. And, uh, and he was a teenager. Well, we sold that business uh, to a public company. My brother went to work for the public company. Now I'm 51. He's 47. He's been retired for a little while. And he's living in Germany. I'm still over here fighting the entrepreneurial business owner battle. He's getting a check for the rest of his life. Wow. Yeah. You know, so... Um, it's uh, it, it's not easy, and it, it, a lot of people glamorize it. Right, Th- those right. moments are few and far between. Uh, you know, I, you you've got to be. Uh, I, it, it's not necessarily the strongest or the smartest win in business. It's really a game of attrition. And if you can just stay in the game longer than anybody else, you're going to be victorious. I think. Well, I mean, there's a lot there too. So I, I think of a lot of things that you, when you're the air traffic controller, you're, you're, it's, it's 100% on the entire time you're there and you clock out and it's 100% off. And the next several hours, there's no opportunity cost for your, your working time. As an entrepreneur, every single minute has the potential to be some success, some failure. Like, like you can't even quantify the potential. Like if I use this next hour in the right way, this might be the next million, mm-hmm. next 10 million, whatever. And so the the minute to minute adrenaline potential I mean, you just it just doesn't turn off like you you're going to bed at night you're like did i do it all could i do it i could stay up another hour i could do mm-hmm. that one more thing there's always more to do and so it's uh it's a totally different totally different way of thinking yeah most people don't understand this i i can't remember since i was a teenager mowing lawns through this morning i can't ever remember taking a shower that's my only time of peace mm-hmm. um, when I'm standing there just running hot water on my head where I wasn't de- mentally dealing with some difficult component of the business or the oh, family so that's, yeah. you know and and you know not to knock postal workers or anybody like that but I, I don't think they have that stress when they're not on the job because they're in a system and they, you know, there's, it's compartmentalized and, and they're just playing a role. Oh, I can speak to that exactly. So after I sold my business, I worked for the company I sold it to for not quite three years. And then I was trying to figure out what my next chapter was going to be. And so I was doing some sales and mar- marketing related jobs and functions for friends of mine's businesses for roughly two years, two different, two different places, two different years. And I can tell you that when I had a narrow lane, like I had a sales job and there was like, it was that I didn't have leadership responsibility at the executive team level. There, there was a limit to my influence. Like I only mm-hmm. had so many accounts I could call and in, in work on. And like, there wasn't anything to do after they were done. And so on any given day, I could think, well, this work will be here tomorrow. Maybe it's no big deal if I go home a little bit early today and you know and, and hang out with the kids. And it was totally different. Mm-hmm. Now, after a while, the feeling of lack of influence in my destiny and, and being at the at 
having to feel the consequences of other people's decision, it was like, no, put me back in the fire, please. Right. I needed that again, yeah. but it was real. It was absolutely real that if, if you know, if like, oh, I'm going at home at three thirty, and by four o'clock, I'm at home, and my my thoughts were a million miles away from any calling, any sales, anything, and that was, and that's totally different. Yeah, well, I have two neighbors, like everybody, right? One on the right, one on the left, uh, fertilizing the yard about I don't know a few days ago, and the the three of us just kind of converge in my driveway for a moment. Uh, one neighbor works for uh, Exxon, uh, right? And the other neighbor uh, works for a small entrepreneurial business. And uh, the neighbor on my right uh, had two paychecks bounce and the other one not show up. The guy at Exxon, <laughs> you know, and he's worried about his house payment and he ain't got ramen noodles for his kids, and right? And, and the guy at Exxon's looking like... Uh, you know, I don't. I can't even understand that. I, I've never ever thought about my paycheck not being cleared. You know, in fact, he probably hasn't even seen a paycheck. It's direct deposit. It's good money, and and so there. You know, it's just uh, be careful what you wish for, right? Because yeah. there's a uh, there, there's a struggle in everything. You know. Yeah, I mean, the money you make as an entrepreneur, as opposed to if you if you're an attorney. And you make, we'll just pick up a random number because the variations of what an attorney can make are all over the map. We'll say you're making 200 grand or even 100 grand, you're, you're, whatever that, it, that, the math on a $100,000 career, you, you, you don't have, it's not $100,000 for the year that you're trying to figure out how to use. You've got the next 40 years of money you can count on. Like right. You could do the math on how to spend <laughs> every dollar you'll probably make over the next 40 years. As an entrepreneur, you may make 400000 in one year and you've got like, I, next year, maybe I'm making nothing, like nothing. I've done that. <laughs> I have done that. And, and then you, you start rationalizing. You go, okay, well, let me think about my three-year average, right? Because you, you've got to, as an entrepreneur, nobody's there to pick you up. You've got to pick yourself back up. You've got to get your head straight. You're your own psychologist and, and, and put yourself in a position to go back out and fight tomorrow. Right. And and I've been there where I made nothing one year and huge numbers, you know, a year or two later. And I played that three year average game in my head uh, you know, the whole time. You see the money so much differently. It's like, you know, this this one dollar. <laughs> Hang on to this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, uh, every now and then at church, I, um, I, I get to teach and um, I have been told uh, by several people that I'm most passionate when I talk about the financial stewardship and the subject of, um, you know, managing things like that uh, and, and bringing a biblical perspective to the conversation uh, to, to help us uh, learn how to do those things well, how to steward. You know, you don't just steward money. You steward your resources. You steward your time. You steward yeah. your, you know, everything in your life. And, um, and apparently I get really passionate around the financial thing because it has been a struggle for me since the day I can have my first memory. Um, you know, just uh, I wanted a better bicycle. My dad would say, you know, you earn half the money and I'll pay the other half. I mean, it, I just grew up that way. And, uh, and, and at some point, like you just said, where you had to go back to managing your own life and running your own schedule and being an entrepreneur, at some point it becomes part of your DNA. And, and when you're in activities or in a situation where you don't get to um, feed that beast, yeah. it feels like something's missing. 
and uh and, and so that's why there's so many of us out there that are kind of nuts well so let's talk to this, the, the financial stewardship because i think i see i experience visionary leaders which I tend to categorize myself as not not that my vision's so great, but I tend to behave like a visionary mm-hmm. in, in terms of being a little impulsive and trying to get a bigger bigger and bigger bite of the future. Well, you guys actively define that in your work too, well, so for, you think absolutely. about it. Yeah, for sure. And so that tends to be a little more impulsive. I tend to want to invest in, in quotes. You know, like mm-hmm. this is this is going to the return on investment on this is is, a, is we got to do this. It'd be foolish not to, and that it tends to be a recipe for spending, and it tends to be a recipe for lower profits than expected, and sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's negative profits in years that it should have been very profitable. And so I see that a lot. Did, did, did you learn experience or what, what was your, what was your exposure? You get some money when you got the first real money, how did you handle it? Um, so I had a kid and a wife and I was uh, very young and uh, I, I got a doubling of my income. Uh, I, I went to salary at $23,000 a year. Oh, all right. <laughs> and I thought, man, we have made it. Uh, we, we went and bought a house, okay, um, okay, and qualified, and all that stuff. And uh, and I had a mentor at the time, guy uh, who I miss deeply. And uh, every this was right when the Texas lottery started coming out. And jokingly, but it has stuck with me. Uh, every Friday afternoon at lunch. He would go down to the stop and go or whatever it is to buy cigarettes and uh, make an investment. Okay. And uh, and he would buy ten or twenty dollars worth of lottery tickets, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and as the next thirty years have unveiled in front of me, I have watched so many investments that that I categorize like those lottery tickets that business owners and people and families, you know, and, and they. They justify wanting to spend what they want to spend on and do what they want to do under the guise of an investment, um, and you know, and that just uh, isn't stewardship, right? That is, and, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. If you budget and well, have right, a the budget, co- the component the of limit, your yeah. uh, income that you want to waste, uh, I have a component of mine that I like to waste, and we all waste it in different ways. But I don't look for a return i don't look for you know any i call it entertainment like waste yeah. to me is, is pejorative but you know entertainment you know you're not ex- it's 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 sort of should be in and of itself the right. value right so i'm yeah. not expecting to get money back on my entertainment expenses not at all not at all uh we started something uh gosh this was uh 25 or maybe even 30 years ago um credit my wife for this but we get two dollar bills every time we and so we have a couple of banks we deal with and they save all their two dollar bills and they give them to us when they get them Mm. and so uh we originally anytime our kids would ask for money or his birthday or something like that we give them two dollar bills and i i didn't connect two and two until i started being out in the community and people would just light up and be just enthusiastic and tell me oh your kids came by my business today and and i'm like really how do you know they're my kids or how do you know two dollar bills you know and so it got so bad that i gave graduation pretty i give two thousand dollars and two thousand two dollar bills and stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) to my kids and they all have a big shoebox somewhere we talked about branding in one of the other podcasts (laughs) that's part of your brand for sure yeah so everybody in our life for the last 30 years knows us there's probably 10 two dollar bills in my wallet right now i tip with them and the whole nine yards it's just very unique and memorable right um and and at one point 
you know, I had to think about uh, the brand and the stewardship and the impact and the memorability and all that stuff. And and that's when my wife and I just decided that was, that's going to be our thing. And we tell people about it. And they're like, cool, we're going to copy you. And, then, <laughs> and they don't follow through. And they can't uh, get the twos anyway because we got a corner on the market. But uh, <laughs> There's a shorthand. They're twos. Like, yeah. I got, you get some twos, I got some twos. Get some they're deuces. <laughs> if you talk to the kid, they're deuces. Um, and so, you know, it's uh, it, 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 it turns stewardship into a little game. It turns it into uh, something that has deeper meaning and lasting memories and things like that. And it, and it helps us to um, uh, to to just to keep all the reasons of why why we have these twos in our wallet. You know, every time we go uh, on a trip and we're flying or we go on a cruise or whatever, we'll take a thousand dollars in two dollar bills. So everybody we see, we can tip. Oh my gosh! In two dollar bills, and it's like, why are we doing? It? You know, it's a big wad. It's hard to carry, uh, but it's really cool to get the reaction, and it starts an amazing conversation with the person you're handing it to. Uh, we got. Uh, you know, and and we just feel that we're able to make an impact and be in a conversation and be relevant, and all this thing starts from a simple little, you know, note, uh, piece of paper. So I don't know where I'm going with this, and I forgot your question. Well, but I, 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 well, don't I have the question, but don't don't go don't distract yourself because this is fascinating. <laughs> this is really fascinating because I think here's what, my wallet. Let's see. Let's see what you got. You, you keep talking. I'll, I'll dig. Well, it no, I want to say I can't. I can't talk. I get rated every ones, morning. So ones. There's a couple. There's a two. two. There's, there's, there's okay. a six, eight. Yeah, there's some twos. There's probably a couple hidden in here too. Well, so well, this makes me think of of. Um, Little little things that make a big difference, keystone habits or things that. Uh, That's for you. Oh well, thank you, thank you. Let's look at That's that. Right. That's, this, You're this making will, money already. Absolutely. This is there's a lot of profundity here, like a two dollar bill, something that speaks to you, something that. One of the things I, I when when I'm working with a company is this idea of simplification, and simplification has a lot of ramifications. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the essences of, of it is this weird, almost maybe homeopathic effect. That when you take a complex idea, or why a business starts, um, or, or why a person started it, or what we do, or what value we add, and we drive the thinking down to what the essence of it is. Like we do complex real estate or what, and, and we, or, and we, and we do these various, we have these various processes. And we, by the time we get this down to something simple, so simple that it's like three to five words, three to five words that anybody has access to, mm-hmm. like, you know, like not complex words, not speci- not, you know, not very unique multisyllabic words. Like, you know, we are building a legacy company, something like that, that, or maybe even simpler than that, that, there, there's if you look at if you read the words, there's nothing particularly remarkable. Like a two dollar bill, there's nothing particularly remarkable about it. It's eight quarters. But when but when you when it's you, when you do it, it connects something deep, and and maybe spiritual and and like so when when you, when you hand out a two dollar bill. Somebody, I mean, if I hand out a two dollar bill, they ask me, "What you know? Why'd you why'd you do that?" Oh, my friend Matt gave it to me. Yeah. Well, number one, nobody can see you waving the two dollar bill at me that I just gave you. So, <laughs> but, let's paint that picture well, mentally. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so, but when you hand it out and somebody says, "Well, why'd you give that to me?" You're ready. I'm ready. Yeah. And and there, there's so much power in that concept of distilling down something so deep, p- 
and big. It's an iceberg down to something so simple that makes it accessible and easy. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very easy to use doorway to open up a conversation. It costs me $2 to break down every barrier with anybody I meet. And what's so amazing about that is, like you said, other people, oh, we're going to do that. I'll bet you a lot of them try, and it doesn't work. It's not them. It's not their thing. Yeah. It's probably true. Probably true. I never really followed up on all the 500 people that have said that to me. Um, but, you know, we don't hide it. It's not our thing. We don't want to corner the market. It's, I think it is so cool. I want you to go start doing it. You know, it's just, but you're not going to get what I get out of it because it's coming from a different place. Yeah. This is a symbol. Yeah. This is a symbol, just like a letter or a word is a symbol. And it, and it means something different and something that's almost, no, this is not almost. It is totally intangible and, 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 is, and is beyond language. Mm-hmm. You can't communicate it through the, without but, your hand, your hand passing it over, the, your, the spirit, the intention, all those things, those only come through in those moments. Yeah, and most people feel special if you hand them a two, uh, way more so than if you hand them a five or a ten. Um, because you don't see them every day. I, they know that I'm parting with this, and if you know, it means something to me. And you know, there's that whole thing um, that just is is uh, it, it, it just it, number one. I don't know how long ago. Twenty minutes ago, we said my wife and I made the decision to be outstanding in as many areas of our life as we can. And, and, and this is another way when we tip or when we um, are generous, uh, we do it in such a memorable way that it connects back to us. People, I, I may not have seen somebody for five years that served me three times at a Chinese food restaurant mm-hmm. in Champions, and, and then I bump into them at the gas station, and I'm the $2 bill guy, still to this day. Yeah, see, I, and I don't know if you're... It, I, I'm passionate about this point, and hopefully I can make it. The $2 bill, and I'm not sure that I can, that the $2 bill is a tangible manifestation of not the $2. It's a tangible manifestation of you. And they, 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 they remember you by referring to the $2 bill, mm-hmm. but they're thinking of you. Mm-hmm. And that's the connection. Yeah. I, I believe that that is, is, is what the, the mislead for somebody who distills their business down to three words, is think, they think they've distilled their business down to three words. They haven't. They've created a tiny little doorway that's openable and accessible to people that allows them to see them, their real self. And you have that with this. And so I guess what I want you to take away from that is that um, it's not the dang $2, <laughs> that it's you, and you should own that. You know who else gets a huge joy out of, out of and, and I, I want to make sure that I continue to give Karen credit. This started with her and her dad. Um, who gets a huge joy out of that is Stephanie. Stephanie works at the bank, mm-hmm. and every $2 bill that comes through, she grabs as fast as she can so nobody else gets their hands on it. She puts it aside, and, and she can't wait until my wife comes in and she has a wad for her. Yeah. And uh, it's just cool. I mean, just what it does in our lives is unique, and it's special, and it makes us um, – uh, it gives us an opportunity to have interactions with people that we might just pass on the, you know, as our two ships pass every day. Instead, we get to stop and have a moment. I love it. I love it. And so it's yeah. There's there's a lot to to take away from that, and uh, and it, to me, it just sends the message of it, it's worthwhile to look for simple ways and simple things to do. 
to help us be f- to, 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 to manifest, to interact, to contribute. And I think the challenge is to not dismiss, not dismiss the simple things like, oh, it's just $2. No, it's not. This is the, this is the, this is the ability <laughs> to communicate on a, on a deeper level and really um, Well, and be authentic, right? Be authentic. You know, because uh, uh, you meet people all the time who have a gimmick and it's not authentic. Yeah. Um, this is not a gimmick for us. Uh, and my kids have picked it up, and uh, you know it. it, it uh, so that thread, all the way through my kids and everything. I mean, that's just a a family trait now, and a conversation that we have about what is the deeper meaning, and why do we do this, and w- what was your reaction when you gave it to that guy? Tell mm-hmm. me the story. You know, yeah. I want to know. Uh, yeah, and it's just, legend and lore and all. I went. So my oldest daughter went to Baylor. Right, she graduated from high school. We 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 uh, took her up there and got her settled in. Um, I left, came back about a month later. She's got a big screen TV. She's got these huge JVC sound systems. She's bought couches and everything, wow. bought a bed, all this stuff. And I, and, and I looked at her and I was like, you know, Rachel, where, where do you get all this stuff? I, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't know you were taking money, you know, and, and a huge smile, totally proud. Dad, I used one of the shoeboxes of twos. You couldn't believe it at Sam's when I paid with $2 bills. Oh, my God. And Yeah, at Sam's, right? Yeah. They, I didn't even know they took cash. but <laughs> <laughs> And it was just, you know, it was just a thing. And I don't know. We can move on, but. No, um, no, no. This, I, I, this is, this, I think there's a lot here. So, you know, yeah, it's, uh, we're quirky uh, and. Um, you know, I, I, th- that goes back to, you know, what do I do in my business, right? My, my business partner, his name is Brett. Um, Brett and I, have we, we were first in business when I was a teenager. I'm 51 now, so that's a long time. And uh, a couple of months ago, we currently we have virtual cloud-based uh, set up for all of our associates and employees. And um, a couple of months ago, we started talking about we really need a physical office. We need a place for a few people to go and be mentored and have a conference room and, you know, start acting like everybody else and um and that really bothered me and i couldn't put my head around it i'm frugal so there was a you know financial component and i was like no that's not what's bothering me you know i've always invested in the right thing to make the business better and uh and 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 it hit me one day and i called brett and i said you know here's the thing i said Every, we started this company. We're only four years old. We started this company four years ago because we didn't like the existing business models and uh, practices that existed in this space. And we felt like it was ripe for disruption and somebody to come in and have uh, transparency and be authentic and have you know, high-level integrity and do things a different way. And by the way, you don't, I, nobody even knows what my business is yet. The... <laughs> right. the um, the industry average in our space is a 23% success rate. So I want to let that stick for a minute. So, so, you know, I'm looking at Brett, he's looking at me and I said, look, man, if we can't be 23%, we um, shouldn't be in business. Right. So I think there's opportunity for us here. And, and, and we put up on the wall, the four kind of known established business models in our space. And we cherry picked all the really good, parts about each of the one each of those four and we stuck them in our business model and then we labored for quite a while about the parts that 
made us mad and were frustrating and we thought uh, were disingenuous and self-serving to the to the people that were operating and and we put all those on a list and we said we're never going to be this right and so we have these two polar positions to start our business with we never even had a client yet and we are going to do this we're never going to do this uh and, and we got we built processes around that and we kind of got it all settled and uh and it was time to go get a client and i was like wait a minute you know i don't i don't like the way they bill for their services it just doesn't feel right it feels like they're taking advantage and um you know they're certainly the vendor and the client their interests aren't aligned financially how are we going to take our new mousetrap and align our interests with our clients interests to make sure that we're always on point took another month or six weeks i don't know we figured that out so we go out to get clients um, a couple things happened one i started telling the world about us and how proud and great and we have this new mousetrap and this is the largest transaction of anybody's life in most cases mm-hmm. nobody wanted to go first Right. And certainly right. their attorneys and their counselors were saying, you know, look, go with the old proven established model. It may be a 23%, which they didn't know. They don't advertise it. But at least you know what you're getting. Right. And so it took us a little while to get traction and find ourselves. And we did. And it was that very community, the legal community and the CPA community that said, "Whoa, you guys are different. This is awesome. We're going to. And they just started flooding us with referrals. And and we flourished. And as we flourished at each point along the way, I had to do a gut check and say, you know, why did we start this business? Who are we going to be? Make sure we're not sliding over into looking like the thing that we we chose to disrupt. And so fast forward, long story, sorry, all the way to a couple of weeks ago, we're really getting serious about finding uh, office space. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett says, hey, you know, there's a glass building, second floor, suite in the corner. Uh, And I'm like, Brett, I finally am able to articulate it. That's not unique. That is what everybody else has. That is what. So if we're going to be different and and we preach different, we preach what is different. Different is transparent. Different is honest. Different is, you know, uh, high level of integrity. Different is uh, no tricky fees. All those things. Mm -hmm. Then. I want our surroundings to be different. I want the setting to be memorable. I want our office to be the $2 bill. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know? I don't, and I can't do that in the glass building in the corner. It looks like everybody else's office. And so because of that, I don't know if your listeners are in Houston, but because of that, we're looking at very unique properties in the Heights and the Museum yeah. District and the Rice Village area um, to find something that fits that $2 bill emotional component for me probably. Um for when somebody comes to our space or when our associates and employees are there, um, it, it says, hey, never forget who we are. We're not them. I love that on so many levels because to me, it is exactly like you said, it's the $2 bill, meaning that it's as, as not a gimmick. Somebody else moving into that spot, whatever, it's a spot. When you're there, there's a story to tell. There's a, there's a story to be. I mean, it's, it's all part of the same consistent message and, and that's the kind of thing that I think uh, really, really matters. I mean, and that's the kind of thing you feel in my experience. Even like this, I have a similar situation. I picked this space or where we are. There was lots of reasons to pick the space that I'm in. And every day I walk in here, I feel it. 
It's, yeah. it's, there's lots of reasons. It's, it's, it was not just an impulse that day. It was like, yeah, this, this all came together. There was, there was a reason for all this, and it changes how I act and how I behave, and everybody gets the message. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that, that kind of leads to another thought that is, um, as I get older, I've been, you know, my own boss in some former fashion for 35 years and uh i i I am really aware now that i am continuing to narrow the things corporately uh that we say yes to okay and uh, and really there's enough of the pie out there in the market that is perfectly aligned with our sweet spot capabilities and the mousetrap that we built that there's no reason to take something that we could do a b or c plus piece of work on it's just to stay disciplined and 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 keep looking for that those opportunities where we can deliver an a plus uh piece of work and and if you're disciplined to that um people begin to notice and they begin to hone the things that, that they refer you to and drag you into and things like that. And, it's, and we're in our fourth year now. So people have heard me preach that for about four years around the community that we're in. And, uh, and over that four years, you know, I've been able to be iterative as we've added uh, functionality or we've added personnel or we've added infrastructure to continue tightening what that is. And it just, it, it, it makes it so much more fun. You know, it's, it, it's not as hard as most of my clients' businesses seem to be because we're f- way more focused in, in what we're doing. I don't know uh, where I'm going with that, actually. Well, I, I, what I'd love to hear is to make this as tangible as possible. Tell us about your business. Tell us about your target client in terms of how did you learn who was and who wasn't? And how and how you, and now you're saying like we're saying no a little more often we're saying yes a little more selectively so make it real specific give me some example of of a type of buyer who you're helping walk us through the buyer's journey uh, well I'm gonna flip it over onto you why don't you tell them how we met uh, this is me. uh, so we okay that's a great great point so we met because you were you were uh, you had met. Uh, well, actually, a mutual client, or a client, at least a client of mine. Maybe they're not a client of yours at all. I guess the, so. It was because of a client. Uh, oh, there was many people involved, right? So George, sorry, George. George, George introduced us because you were working with George to try to help a company uh, with their financial future and some things in that that space. And it seemed like they needed a little help getting shored up, and in terms of getting some structure and some execution as a leadership team. And, uh, and so I've been working with them for the last year and a half, I guess. Yeah. So, so that's what you do. Right. And, and, uh, we kind of recognize that, uh, they could benefit from that. We introduced them to you and, and, and that's how you and I met. Uh, and by the way, they think, and I think you're doing a fantastic job. Um, well, thank you. So, uh, so what do I do? I, my firm, is primarily a lower middle market sell side M and A brokerage house. What does that mean in English? Exactly. I, I love like oh <laughs> syllables. We got to get rid of. Them. Yeah. Um, uh, privately held businesses with revenue between five and fifty million are 
primarily who we serve. And we work for the owners of those businesses uh, when they begin to get to the back end of their career and they typically haven't planned well much, if any, um, how to get out of the company, right? What the exit is. Am I going to hand it to my kids? Am I going to bring in an outside management team and go retire? Am I going to sell it to a third party or what? We help them figure all that out. We help them position the company. We uh, do some uh, valuations and uh, studies and, and determine areas where they could use some improvement. Uh, and at some point in that process, uh, when those that will be selling to a third party need to go through the sales process, that's about 85% of our revenue. It's about 50% of our work. Um, and, and that's where we really stand out as being unique. Um, everybody in our space is very transactional. They just want to, they just want to sell a company and move on. They don't want to help them get better. They don't want to help them get more for it. They don't want to do the, you know. My experience is it's real estate. I mean, there there are people who, I mean, it's bad. I mean, business brokers that I've seen are clueless about yeah. how to run a business. And real estate, there's thousands of real estate agents, and some of them are just, they have the license. They have no idea what they're looking at, as opposed to, what, like, the real estate agent I go to when I need to buy a property or rent it. This is a person who makes things happen. Like, they understand the market, and if the deal gets, you know, if there's any bumps in the road, they not only can advise me, they've got the solutions, and it's, it's a real, real powerful expertise that shows up. So I get what you're saying in terms of like there's lots of people out there who just aren't adding value. Yeah, yeah. Business brokers is a term that's used um, in the lowest end of what we do and below. Intermediaries is kind of in our sweet spot and investment bankers is at the high end of what we do. Those are the three terms people might know. So that's great and, because that to me, it's like mar- marketing. Everybody has to do something with marketing, but few people can dissect that into PR and advertising right. and all and all those, and those, term, those terms. And I think people feel like they should know like yeah. I thought, like when it's a marketer, I thought I should know those terms, and I do know many of them now. But in terms of selling a business, people probably think that they should know the terminology. Mm-hmm. But, but in, in reality, you just labeled out three tiers that I'm confident 80% of the people or more who listen to this would have no idea there's a difference. They don't. And, and I could go on until you run out of tape about why you should be in one tier or the other and not get tricked into going in the wrong one. Mm-hmm. I don't, We don't want to turn this into that. But, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, the the thing that makes us different, right? We're talking about being unique and being different. And what do we do, and how does that transfer? Um, is is probably that uh, unlike real estate, most of my peers, coast to coast, uh, have never operated a business, and yet they're trying to come in and advise a business how to get themselves right. in perfect shape to be sold for the most amount of money, and they just they've never been there and done that. The, the the wrong half the time, the other half the time, you know, execution can't be what it is. And um, there's all that. So, so what makes us unique is I said, look, you know, not only do they have a different mousetrap, but it takes a, it takes a different set of people and a different way of handling this, this issue to be successful, to be more successful than the rest of you. Um, and, and so one of those things is we went out and we created uh, a, a division and a whole staff of people that are former CFOs and current CPAs. Full-time work for us uh, because the financial component of a business sale is paramount, right? Uh, we just closed a deal. Uh, the email went out today, actually. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you'll see it tonight that uh, Deloitte & Touche had 23 people 
on their team doing a quality of earnings analysis, uh, most intermediaries, business brokers, and investment bankers in our space might have two people on their team battling 23 on the, on the buyer side. So, wow. you know, it's that kind of disparity. So we went out and said, okay, this is going to make or break the deal. We're going to build the, a, a solid team. As far as I know, we're the only people in the space, not in town, in the space in the country that, that have done that for the lower middle market. Then we said, okay, it takes research analysts, take data analysts, it takes, you know, and, and you can hire some 23-year-old person, you know, with a PR degree and give them that title. Uh, we went and got MBAs with those um, credentials who also have about 20 years experience in the workplace uh, delivering on those credentials every day and we staffed that part of the and so when we come uh, into a business owner's life we're able to surround them with the expertise that's required you can't get all that in one body and you certainly can't get all that in one body of the person who sold you on the deal but they've never operated a business and so you know I'm, I'm usually the tip of the spear on proposals and selling and, and doing it but I'm the weakest person in our company we have amazing specialists that come in and support the scope of work that 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 our company agreed to perform, and, and that takes three or four or five people in most cases to pull off, and 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 so we're unique because that's also expensive, right? So um, uh, one of the reasons why we've been a cloud-based business for the first four years of our existence is we wanted to invest in having the best people rather than having a nice office. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, I see that it's common now. I mean, it's, I see a lot of businesses who are making that choice and it's a lot of them think of it as a temporary thing. And then they're like four years later, like, well, I don't, why don't, why wouldn't, why wouldn't we just keep this? Yeah. I just did a, I just did a video a couple of days ago about, uh, when you're choosing somebody to represent you, um, you know, don't chase the shiny things. Don't go for the flashy brochures and the best website with the, with the best videos on it. Go find out if they've done what they, what you want them to do. Have they done it successfully? How many times do they do it in your space? Who's on my team? Are you going to walk away after you sell me and insert a bunch of interns to pull this off? Or, you know, so all these are important questions, and I think they make us unique. We're the $2 bill in our space, and that goes to everything we do. And now that we're looking for office space, I just want to keep that, you know, that perspective that uh, that, that we bring a unique value proposition. Uh, and and, and that's, you're going to feel that and see that in everything that we do. So as you as you sort of flesh that out – back to this idea of where you draw the line of yes and no like you're a target oh, yeah. customer um i'm assuming you had some people who you thought would be good customers clients what do you call them, clients we do yeah clients so you're you had clients like this will be great and then down the line you're like that was not great oh gosh yes so what was so how did you what what did you learn about that and how did you start to get to get the discipline of yeah i don't i don't want to be specific here but um uh, uh, probably in our second year um we kept getting shortlisted. Uh, you know, people would interview four or five firms, and and we would make the top two. Mm-hmm. But and then they would go, "Well, show us all your transaction experience." And we go, "Well, we've been in business two years. Here, here they are." And uh, and then they would go, "Somebody who's been in business thirty years and has you know ten times the transactions with us, even though it's not relevant. That's what they did." Um, and, and and so I jumped out and had some really soul-searching conversations with my partner, Brett, 
and I did the investment thing. I, I, I convinced Brett that we should take some engagements to be more active so that we could have more closings in our history. And they were really the wrong engagements. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they weren't unsuccessful, but they took about 10 times the resources for about 5% of the revenue. That, and it just it was just bloody. Um, and And the integrity part comes in where the team says, look, we all agreed we were going to do this. We're going to do it, mm-hmm. even though it hurts and it's right. ugly and we never want to do it again. And so when we get to the other side of those, uh, it's like, man, where's that do not do list? Right. We got a couple of things to add to it. And part of that is, um, you know, if clients don't have certain infrastructure, data collection, uh, reporting, things that they uh, are going to have to justify and due diligence to a buyer that they're legit, if they don't exist, you're probably going to have a really tough time getting a close. That's that that process. I've heard that so many different times. People say something. I'm never going to do that again. It was a bad idea. I should have stuck to my my, my core focus. I, sh- I should have. Uh, my target market was crystal clear, and and everybody seems to by default refer to that as a regrettable time that they made mistakes in. I've never seen anybody ever able to skip that process. I am convinced that that is a necessary part of the process. For you to earn the right, you have to go through those challenges. You have to learn it. You have to scrap your way to being successful enough. You have to earn the right to, to fight tomorrow. And a lot of that is mortgaging the future. You're taking clients, oh, this is going to be tough. Is, oh, I'm going to be I'm gonna be upside down on this. But then you've got the experience. And then you do have those clients that you can talk to. And you can speak in a whole different level of, of, of conviction about, no, we're not going to do that for you because I did that with somebody else. And I don't, do, I don't play that game anymore. <laughs> so I, I think that it's... It's a necessary part, and, and maybe we should embrace that. And sometimes I think I do encourage uh, startups to do that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. So this is my fifth company. Um, the, the three of the first four, I guess out of five, four out of the five, because this one counts, um, were started in my house, basically. Grew to hundreds of employees years later, right? And we have gone through that, that's why I don't want to start another company. It's just, it's so exhausting. <laughs> we have gone through that, not only in each company, but at kind of each hill that we climb, you know, each revenue hurdle that we surpass or each uh, uh, headcount um, that, that we reach. You know, having 20 employees is one thing. You know their spouse's name. You know their kid's name. You all go to the picnic. Having 200 employees, you don't even know who's driving around your company truck that you're responsible for. Right. You know, and... Um, <laughs> when you can be an undercover boss, you know you've got a company. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I think it is, at least for me, my experience, you just said your experience and uh, is that it's kind of a trial and error thing. A lot of it is in the startup ages is we need revenue, right? And it's hard to say no to revenue of any kind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then you start learning that there's really bad revenue out there that you'd never want, right? Right, yeah. And, and that's when you start getting wise. And, but uh, I don't think you get wise with any, with any consistency before you make the mistake. I mean, a lot of people like, hey, take my advice, don't do that. You know, sometimes you, I think you can do a little of that, but there's actually no substitute for the humility that comes from really taking it on the chin. And, and, I've, and I've, this is my current thinking on the bromide of, 
I learn more from my mistakes than my successes because I've challenged that because I think the data shows us that you don't. I think the data shows us that we learn more from good mentorship than we do from making stupid mistakes. But I, what I do think the stupid mistake does is it knocks us into a state of humility. So the next, for the next period of our life, we're like, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I can change behaviors. Maybe I, maybe some of my bad my habits aren't good, aren't serving me, and I can be and I can consume a lot more things to make me a better leader. And especially see that with young you know young startups and, mm-hmm. and like you know they're 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 never smarter on the first day I meet them. The humility comes <laughs> down the line, and and it's not like all the mistakes. I don't know. I just I just think that getting getting their mindset readjusted to listening better as opposed to just doing is what the transformation is. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, um, I, I guess I can only speak for myself. There is a certain place in my soul where those low, painful moments live. And, uh, and, and when I sense an opportunity that's going to lead us there or when I sense we're walking through a door that's going to make me relive those things (laughs) they jump out of the box like a jack-in-the-box you know bam and don't do this don't do this right but but there's so many things that i don't know not to do (laughs) right that that i'm probably still walking into some of those today because i'm at a different place where i've kind of never been um and and that'll always be true if you're pushing to be better and pushing to improve yeah well, man, this has been so much, so much fun. I've, I've, I've got actually things I want to talk about, and I'm tempted. I'm like, do I ask this question? No, We're stay. an hour and We're 15 good. minutes. Uh, okay, well, then I will. I, I, so this could be my, our first three-hour podcast. Uh, I want to talk about your daughters. What do you tell your daughters about their future as leaders and entrepreneurs? Wow. Um, I'm going to look out the window for a minute. Uh, number one is I don't know that I say this but I hope they get it from just being around me and and that is I don't think that you ever have to be in a place that you're unhappy with for very long you might have to you know drink the Kool-Aid that you made for a little while but it don't don't that's not permanent right highs aren't permanent the best of times aren't permanent and the worst of times aren't permanent and and business life you use the word business but really in all of life um you know it's just kind of like like this trough and then a cycle up and then a trough down and then a cycle up and and, and so where you're at today is not where you're going to be in the future how does how does gender figure into what you tell them and what you think their lives will how that how, how their lives will unfold yeah i'm, I'm th- that's something that i think about a lot probably don't phrase it the way that you phrased it but you know the world's changing um but in my world especially when i was younger you know women wanted to be wives and mothers and they didn't really want to be the major breadwinner and they kind of wanted to you know um have the leave it to beaver type existence and um and i just think that number one as an employer most of my best employees that jump out 
in my mind over the thousands that I've had over my 30-something year career have been female. I think there's a, something innate about attention to detail and about caring about quality of what you put your signature on and, and things like that. So for my daughters, I think you can do any single thing you set your mind to. You're smart enough to there's resources around you that you can go um, rally and uh, uh, pull in to whatever it is that you want to do but you know if you're going to do that um, understand the sacrifices that are going to be necessary for instance if you've got uh, two young boys at home and I've talked to my daughter one daughter about this quite a bit it's going to be really hard to go start your own business at this point in life because yeah. they're going to be in daycare, they're going to be a grandma, or they're going to be, and you're going to feel guilty, you know, and, yeah. you, and, yeah. and you've experienced that a little bit. So we're talking about the fact that you don't want to do that right now. So she actually just recently just took a job, a regular job, so that she can take them to school and pick them up from school and be there for dinner and do baths and all that and not have the stress. Um, I don't know where we're going, but they, I, I want them to see in me that, um, that that there's no limitation that any limitation in your life I think is self-imposed. So I mean, I you know, there's there's lots of ways we can go with this because and this is an ongoing, constant, emerging conversation because I my belief about uh, women in leadership and women 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 whatever it's this success archetypes i think it's i think the conversation is just starting I, I think that it's it's a misdirect to think that we've been we've got anything significant figured out on that already i mean we it's mm-hmm. there's many decades of trying to get equality for women and, and so i think i said the, like i said the mislead is that we've learned something i don't think we have i think we're just starting to get uh the conversation started and i and i because I, when I work with leadership teams, uh, the women leaders in my here, just like you said, the women leaders I've seen in the past, some of the best leaders, like I've never questioned that. I've never felt like a gender bias in my world against the success of women and, 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 a, and, a, and no lack of appreciation. Now, my world is not the whole world, mm-hmm. for sure. There is a filter on the, on the people that I come in contact with. They want to be their best. The teams are trying to win. And, uh, and so the kind of people who are open-minded are more likely to be in my world. So, you know, I get my, get my population sample sets, not the same as everybody's. And so what you kind of st- started to open the door on was um, everybody has to sacrifice. What does the sacrifice look like for a man versus a woman? And it's a different thing. And I think that you, everybody has to have access to that, or, or, or not access, but have to have that conversation with themselves and with their, their, their partner. And, as I'm kind of free flowing thinking this through, I I, th- I don't think the time's ever been better for women leaders. I think there's so much going on in my world. People uh, helping each other out, trying to create great role models and mentorship for women, and, and the leadership opportunities are everywhere in my world. And perhaps I'm in a bubble, but yeah. my world feels good in, in that regard. Uh, and I and I do think this concept of sacrifice—that's uh, my word. So you know, a lot of people, not everybody uses the way that I do, but as choices about what you're going to do and what you're not, uh, women have an outsized burden around parenting and childbearing for sure <laughs> relative to the, to the man. And I think that men are taught more default to be willing to sacrifice more for longer for the sake of win, from winning in some sense. And I don't, I don't think women aren't 
aren't taught that because you, you can't sacrifice the kids the same way. Uh, there's the consequences are totally different. But I just had, a, as you were talking, I had a, a kind of a connection, a weird connection. Because I think that a lot of the generic data, hopefully data-driven wisdom is that, well, men have an advantage. They don't take, they don't take time off with their kids the way the women do. And that affects careers. And ambition totally changes when, when kids come out, uh, come into the world. At the same time, I had a mentor of mine, after I was selling my business, he said something to the effect of, you know, us entrepreneurs, we work so hard. We think we got to just grind it out all the time. Well, you don't. Like, you can take a break. Like, you, like this next couple of years doesn't have to be you not working for a paycheck. You, like, you can do something different. You can do something easy, easy for you that maybe isn't going to change the world, but like you can have a job for a while. That's, that's not the end of your world. And so when you were describing your daughter's scenario, it was like, well, yeah, you, may, you can make a choice and anybody can make a choice. A, a guy, a man can make that same choice. Now, maybe that's sort of the next step of this. Maybe, maybe things balance out and give men more of an opportunity to change their seasons a little less binary. Yeah, there are a couple of thoughts. You know, I can't, uh, stand I loathe I, I just can't get along um, with all of the employment practices that the the rules society is putting out there with um, you know hiring minorities and there's a big uh, thing going around right now about board participation and the amount that are females and that you know it ought to be the best person for the job right understand the job well enough talk to enough people have have things figured out where the best person for the job should get the job and and, and do away with all that and and what you'll find is if if if, if you're true to that it's going to it's just going to look like society in your workplace um, you're going to have you know tall people and short people and fat people and skinny people and you know blondes and dark-headeds and all of that but there's there's so many rules you know you got to have x uh percent you know minorities and we need four women to balance out the 12 men and blah 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 no man you're what you're doing is you're throttling back the performance that could be if the best people were in those positions well so i think that i hear and i and i've never heard anybody challenge that that doesn't work equally across the board and specifically speaking to gender, I'm not going anywhere near race. I don't have any of the data. I don't. I couldn't speak to it. I'm not the right guy for that. Uh, but in gender, it seems like the argument is made that up and before childbearing years, it's a level playing field. You come back five years later or longer, the mm-hmm. playing field has changed. The man who did not take time off has a totally different resume than the than the woman who, who took it, and so that's what creates the opportunity for debate. Well, there's a big company locally. I won't say their name. They've got hundreds of thousands of employees around the world, um, and and they just instituted. Uh, I'm not going to say this right, but men get maternity leave in some mm-hmm. crazy amount of weeks. You know. Uh, and uh, and I know a guy, a young guy. I guess that would be paternity uh, leave, right? So oh, paternity. paternity. There you go. Thank you. Um, and and I know a young guy who just took twenty weeks paternity leave, uh, and yeah, yeah. his job is going to be waiting for him when he gets back. I'm like, that's amazing. It's cool. I don't, you know, I I don't know how I feel about that because I've never been in an organization that could afford that. Yeah. See, that's that's an example that points back to what I was kind of implying before that. 
I don't know what that does. I, 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 if as men start to see like you know what me, I want to do that too. That sounds good. Uh, that could change. That could change the game. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I, I think it will change the game. And here's the other thing: the economy uh, is changing, right? The internet, the podcast. Fifteen years ago, the word podcast probably didn't exist, right? So. Uh, the definition of work is mm-hmm. changing. I mean, ninety percent of my work is done with my iPhone. You know, right. Emails, yeah. texts, and phone calls is ninety percent of my work, um, and so I can do that from anywhere. So can a female, right? Absolutely. And 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 so you know, I take a lot of meetings and conference calls in um, my shorts by the swimming pool. Uh, nobody on the other end knows, right? So what's to stop a, a you know, a young female who has kids from going to the other room, shutting the door and, uh, you know, being at work uh, for a little while. I just, I, I think the opportunities are boundless. And here's the other thing. I, I think men have um, become accustomed to their first mover advantage yeah. and right, women yeah. are, they want it. They, they want it more than the guys want it. The guys expect it. They're entitled the women know that they have to compete for it. They have to be on point. They have to do a good job, and and so they're coming in and they're taking uh, taking a lot of positions. And I'm I love it. I do. I just want the best, most enthusiastic, most empowered person to be in a job. I don't care what the job is or who it's for. Uh, the best person ought to win out. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. That's absolutely what I'm seeing, Matt. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Uh, well, there's a ton, but uh, <laughs> not we today. This, we will do this again. Yeah, there's a lot to it's go cool. This. I mean, this is called the what is it called? You're doing it wrong. Yeah, and I, you know, and you're an EOS guy, and and you work with uh, small business owners, and I thought this was going to be all about that, and so um, clearly it wasn't. And I'm cool with it. So <laughs> it might be boring to listen to. Uh, we might be the only two that hear it, but um. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I will track the track the stats. But uh, I, I feel really good about what we talked about today, and I was glad to have the conversation. And I believe everybody else will. As, Thank you. As well. I, I enjoyed it. So, uh, how does somebody get a hold of you if they want to if they want to contact you? Uh, I, I assume you're going to put my email address yeah. and my LinkedIn the, handle and all that on there. Yeah. So uh, my email is mgilbert at gap-advisors.com and my phone number. Uh, I, I don't hide my cell phone. I think if you want to get a hold of me, you call my cell, you text me, and I'll answer. I'm one of those. So uh, uh, put my phone number on there, too, okay. when, you, when you put the stuff in. And um, I, I just love helping people. Uh, so if, if somebody thinks I can help them, they ought to call me. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. <laughs> we'll talk next time. Thank you. Take care. How do, how do you feel? It was weird. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what we said. <laughs> well, so, we said a lot of good stuff. <laughs> you know. You, you were totally real, I mean, and that's what, that's what people like to hear. Yeah, I, you know, what I always, not always, but what I think about is, you know, we talked a lot about my wife and my daughters. If they heard that, would I have embarrassed them? Did I, was I, you know, did I characterize things properly? That kind of thing. Um, Because that is what's most important to me. And and I'm proud of what I do. You know, if it's a decent podcast, I hope they do hear it. Or, you know want to listen to it they they hear me all the time they may not want to listen to it 
<laughs> Maybe not. It's funny. It reminds, I, I was asked a question on the last one, and uh, I didn't expect it to kind of go towards a sensitive spot for me. And uh, I suddenly felt myself like, uh-oh, what do I do? What, what, whatever I'm about to say is going to be recorded, and do I do I go there? And I was like, I know I should go there, but I'm not ready to go there. So I, I kind of gave as much as I could, could talk about um, at the t- at that time. And I expect to, to kind of go back into the fray of uh, this. You know, being an entrepreneur, like you said, is very difficult. Not it everything is. goes goes great and 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 i have to be honest that not everything i've done in the in the moment was like my best self like mm-hmm. you know oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like, I, like most of it yeah, yeah. like uh, under under stress i did things that i would not have done under uh, not under stress and and if i had a chance to rewrite a lot of that i would so i, I have to figure out how to get that out in a way that um, i feel good about yeah i have this top 50 list in my head of of things that i regret in my life and uh it, it, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's healthy to keep the list in your head. You're never going to change it. So, what it does to me is it spurs me to be pretty self-aware, so that I don't repeat any of that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other thing, too, you know, is um, I really don't want. It. It's not the nothing in life is all about me, right? Uh, most of my life is about. The, the Lord and my family. And and so we're sitting here talking one-on-one in a podcast, and I keep saying, I, 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 we, 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 right? And it sounds like it's all about me, or, or at least it sounds that way to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not how my life is. And, and, and I know people whose the world revolves around them, and they're, you know, uh, I just, I, I really want to be a servant and a steward more than anything. And that probably didn't just come across in this podcast at all. But... Uh, you, you might be surprised. You know, so. The manifestations. I hear what you're saying, and the self awareness and the self consciousness. But I don't see it that way. I see. I see. You know, your life, and you know, it, and for all I know, it's all entirely fraudulent. But yeah, I'm sure. Saying, and you told a really great story. <laughs> but I think that would be hard to do, especially because there were actual two dollar bills in your wallet. You actually got a two dollar <laughs> bill. So, so the the reason to believe is high. But you know, this the story. It's a it's a gestalt thing. It's like when you if you put all these points together, it paints a picture that's very hard to imitate. Yeah, yeah, I am authentic. I hope, and and I hope that's true to what what I really am. You know, I I wonder if next time I come back in here, say I'm going to turn around in your room here, um, you have all these props, right? You have the horse, and you have the snowman, and you have the whatever. Uh, I wonder if you're going to have a two dollar bill in front of everybody's place as one of your as one of your things. That would that would be cool. You're trying to set me up to get so, two dollars. No, I don't care. You can't find them. I got a corner on the market. You'd have to call me. So you just set me up for a mission that's destined to fail. It's an impossible mission. This, oh. We'll do it with a C note. It's uh. <laughs> a, a whole other business. Right. So, man, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I feel honored that you invited me. I appreciate our friendship. Um, uh, we're still recording, so I don't. I better not say anything dumb. But um, yeah, I just, you know, one of the things I want to do is. Uh, engage more with you and guys like you and pe- I shouldn't say guys people yeah. like you um, because it's fun to be in business and go through these experiences with people you you know you feel kind of kindred with and like minded well that's kind of I, I couldn't agree more and I spent so much time in, in past businesses in, in a business that I shouldn't have been in yeah I've done uh, that and and I wasn't the right guy for it and so I didn't enjoy my clients I didn't enjoy the problems I was solving for them and so I wasn't that good at it and so this life is different this life is um, business and 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 friendship starts to blur in a good way and, and it can create problems 
because like when work is not work, mm-hmm. it's you don't know when to stop. Right. So that's good. I'd rather have that problem than the opposite, <laughs> but it is a real problem, you know, trying to figure out where to draw the line. But when you were talking, when I was asking about your family and your, and your, the, the Thursday night dinner, you know, does that all line up and is it synergistic? And it sounds like it is. And, and when it gets to that point, you know, you, it's, it becomes easy and fun and fulfilling in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter that lives next door, we, I was on the phone with her this morning and, um, She's she's kind of going through a hard time with some stuff, and uh, you know, it makes her stomach hurt, makes her have a headache. You know, it's manifesting physically, and uh, and she was she was like, I just don't want to go to dinner tonight. And I'm like, you know, every time I say that, and I go anyway. Afterwards, I'm so glad I feel better. I just I, something in me got recharged and. You know, so I was just encouraging her, come and don't eat. Come and hang out. Yeah. You know, come for 20 minutes. And if you still feel like you don't want to be there, you live next door. Well, come. But, <laughs> right. you know, at least try, right? Don't take yourself out of the game. Um, and, and I certainly am not calling her this, but this is something that my wife says to me a lot. Don't take yourself out of the game because you didn't get a good night's sleep and you're a coward today. Oh, right. That's a tough thing to hear. You know, <laughs> that's a call. Out. <laughs> and, and you know, you, it, there's a lot of truth in it. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. Um, that's, that's wise. And I'm going to take that to heart. Um, yeah, you know, don't take yourself out of the game because you didn't get a good night's sleep and you're a coward today. Yeah. It's like, you know, cause you know. I, cause I have found truly, uh, I get, I get used to being a tough guy, which is, I hope that doesn't sound, I'm trying it. We'll say it was better to say, like I've been trying to be a tough guy for 20 years, 30 mm-hmm. years. Uh, and so I kind of get out of the habit of being plugged into what I'm feeling in any given moment. And I'm, and now that I'm really trying to be aware of my um, feelings, especially because I'm, I'm facilitating teams. And it's really, really important for me to be very aware of the emotions in the room, not the least of which are mine. Oh, yeah. And so if I'm frustrated, if I'm doing something, I can throw the whole room off. So I have to be really plugged in. And in that effort to be plugged into my emotions, I have been a little f- surprised how often I'm afraid. Yeah. You know how many phone calls I dread taking or making? Uh, I, everybody's probably that way, but it's, you know, I just don't want to deal with this right now. I'm tired or I'm, I'm mentally tired or this person is abrasive or whatever. You know, you're talking about your room mm-hmm. and I've seen your room. I've seen you in action. Um, I'm curious, uh, do you have a strategy or what do you do? Because every room has an underdog or every room has an outcast person who doesn't fit in or whatever, you know, uh, especially in the early parts of your work. Um, how, do you, how do you weave that in and, and, and bring that to light and make it fair and, and not uh, hurtful? personally and those kind of things well yeah so sometimes it's a person sometimes the that role moves around uh so at any given moment in any given decision there's somebody who may not be feeling heard and so that has been a struggle for bigger teams is really hard if i've got 10 people in the room and occasionally i do uh i kind of open the day with like i'm gonna miss some of you 
Like I can't keep up with 10 people. So I'm asking you to be a little more self-aware. And if, and if I forget you, catch me on a break or raise your hand you know, and say you're plugged in. But if it's a four or five person, you know, nominally appropriately sized leadership team at any size company, by the way, you do not need a thousand people on the leadership team. You know, four, three to seven, hopefully closer to three is kind of what we see in that. But so it's four or five people, typical size. Uh, I just need to make sure I can look everybody in the eye and say like, you know, are you, did you, did you just tune out? Did you, did you get hurt? You've been a little quiet and it's about getting them a chance to, to, to speak. Cause I, I was with a team a couple of weeks ago. I was traveling and I was in a couple time zones over and, uh, one of the, one of the people in the room was just getting irritable and to the point where the other people in the room were quieting shutting down. down they were yeah. shutting down cause they were, well, they were trying, they were trying to protect her. Mm-hmm. They were trying to draw her out and she wasn't coming. And she was just getting irritable, and she was like, "Fine, whatever." And and I was just watching this play out because it was usually it was kind of a role reversal. Typically, she was doing the other that thing, and so I, I didn't even know what to do to do with that. And I knew something needed to, to happen, and so I just said, after listening for a while, and I said, "It seems like you're not feeling heard." And it seems like that wait, time out. Have you ever said that to your wife? <laughs> That's another podcast. <laughs> and you don't yeah. do those. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Uh, okay. It seems see, like you're not feeling hurt. And, and it seems like they are really, they really want to hear you. Oh, wow. Did they though? And, and I did. And I was being on I was an absolute okay, that was authentic okay. interpretation of what I was seeing. And she just went quiet. You could see she was starting to tear up. And there was a pause, and then she answered the the last tactical question we had asked, and we moved on, and it never came back. Like I don't even know what nerve I touched, but it, it seems she managed it seemed, her it seemed, herself from I, there I, on I out. I think I reflected back to her enough truth that she was like, "Yeah, I'm not feeling heard," and that, yeah, I guess they are trying to hear me, and that was it. That was all she needed to, because she was stuck. She was stuck there for sure. She was not. She was not contributing in that moment, and it, we didn't have a problem the rest of the day. And everybody rated the session a great session. So that's what, that's well, I, that was a humbling moment because I was doing my best to reflect back to them, which is really my role. Like it's not my job to be smart, which is hard for a guy who's tried to be smart all his life. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm not bringing them real, real, tr- real information, real wisdom in the sense that I'm the smart guy. That's not how I add value. Um, how I had value is showing them things they can't see on their own and using my sensitivity to detect it. And that was a classic, I say classic, that was one of the best examples. Like I have no idea what I showed her, but I apparently showed her something. Yeah. So, so do you have like a goal? I mean, other than, you know, (laughs) you have this thing where they bring a check, they sit it on the side and if they felt valuable that, you brought value that day, they hand it to you at the end. So that's probably a goal. But, um, you know, is, and I know you got, you know, mid range and long term and short term goals and rocks and all that kind of stuff. But you personally, every time you're in one of these meetings, I mean, are you, are you like, oh, this person, you know, is the odd man out? I'm trying to bring them in or how do you approach this? Because it was very, it just struck me just now when you said, I'm not trying to be smart or in, or impart my smarts into mm-hmm. this. 
Oh, uh, so for me, you know, it goes back to, I mean, I opened the podcast with it. it my passion is, is that everyone should feel in control of their lives. And that is, in a sense, it's its own kind of $2 bill. There's, there's, a, there's an iceberg below that. You know, when you said that, I was looking around to see what you were reading. Because you were kind of looking down and you were, you were just staring off into space. And you just rattled that off like you said it for the millionth time. And I was like, I, I made a mental note. Wow, that was authentic. He, he didn't read that somewhere. Mm-mm, no, no. And, and so what feeling in control is, is a lot of time is making sense of things that don't seem to make sense. Because I've definitely experienced that. And I've definitely seen that in people's eyes when, they, when the, I, I share something I've read or heard or learned or experienced in some way. And they go, oh, my gosh. Now it's so simple for me. It's not, I'm try, the reason it's so confusing is it's three things at once, and I've been trying to make it one. It's not mm-hmm. one. It's three separate things, and I solve one at a time, and now I can tackle this. That sense of relief and, and, and ability to go to the next level, is that's all I'm ever after. Session after session, it is, did we, did we uncover a little more of the path? Do you feel like your final destination is that much more reachable and anytime there's a light bulb moment where they go that's it that is actually exactly what i'm trying to do and that is exactly what i believe and i believe we can get there Um, and i have to recognize that in them because a lot of times the words they use it's the two dollar bill this is this is this is the thing uh you know like the words they use mean absolutely nothing to me right we want to be the best printer company i'm like Okay, or that's, a, that's even that's a terrible example, even by terrible example standards. <laughs> it's a, something they want to do something very simplistic sounding, and I see. Well, actually, you know what? This is a good, this is a better one. Like I have a couple companies, and one in particular who's very passionate about education. Okay, they are teachers. They are te- they have a teaching culture, and it was something that eluded them. So this is a company that's been around for several years, and and they've been doing something you know pretty technical in their world, and they realize, and I got two companies that have this part of this, but one of them, and they're both technical to some extent, but they had been following typical technical sounding pursuits. We're best at this kind of accounting software or whatever, and then one day it was like, you know, I've never ever heard you be anything be anything more passionate than you are about teaching people. This whole company is about teaching people. We need to to line up everything we do around teaching people, our employees, our customers, everything. And it was just, it had just totally eluded them that that was the foundation of the belief system of the founder. And when we uncovered that, that's like, that's what we're here for because that changes everything. You know, I had that moment 18 months ago, probably in our business. So we're four years old now. So we were pretty young at the time and probably maybe even the same time some of your clients after they've met with you you know the 15th time you have that epiphany right and uh and it was that we're unique we we just spent an hour talking about we're unique um we're different we're valuable we bring people who've been there and done that we 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 yeah 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 all i need to do is educate people and let them make their own choices about us yeah right and so I, I, I spun the whole um, focus of how we message to uh, in business to, hey, if you're going through this, just think about these things. It's probably a perspective you haven't thought about because you're in the weeds and, you know, and let me just open your mind here. Or if you're doing this with real estate, you know, think about these three things. And and I've and we've built this whole educational. There's so what I did. A, a friend challenged me um, last Christmas. So that's what thirteen months ago. Mm-hmm. 
um, to come up with the top hundred things uh, that I want to educate prospects on, and uh, and and what he said at the time was, and then create a one minute spiel about each one of those one hundred things, and then I'm like, whoa, you know, and I quickly <laughs> wrote the hundred things. I mean, oh, I had wow. it done in like thirty minutes. Wow. Um, but then to what I want to say takes 30 minutes on each one. How do I boil that down into one minute? Yeah. You know, and so, and then here recently, I told you right when I walked in, I've started this little LinkedIn hand done video thing um, at, where I'm taking those topics and I'm just saying, hey, I just rolled out of a meeting and this is what we uh, were discussing and this was the business owner's, you know, little situation and problem. And, and hey, if you're out there, if you're in this situation, these are the three things I want you to take away and really think about from that standpoint. And I started kind of emailing it to friends and, and, and clients and going, hey, is there any value in this? Am I doing this right? Whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it, it's so noisy in your brain Mm -hmm. and you're so into your own problems that some of these obvious things that you as a facilitator are able to see, they're never going to see on their own. Right. You know, and, and I'm having a lot of fun with us instead of us trying to sell, I just want to educate people and then tell them to make their own choice. Yeah, that's absolutely a connection. So this big, a recent epiphany for me around hiring, uh, having struggled to do really good recruiting and not even recruiting the part it's the hiring process it's like I've got the candidates and how do I ask the right questions about whether they're going to work out or not mm-hmm. and I had some opportunity to compare companies who were running on EOS and and they didn't seem to have the same struggles that I had seen in the past with companies who were try, trying to hire better using methods like top grading and other things were very rigorous processes and I was just kind of struck I was like why do most of the EOS companies I work with do not feel like they need to do a very aggressive hiring process? I mean, some some do to some extent, but it wasn't. The, it was not the same disparity. And after asking around and doing some soul searching and and, and seeing what was going on, I discovered. To, I created or came up with a hypothesis, really, because I have less data and more just observation. That it's about self selection. It is about being able to tell the story much more clearly. These are the core values of the organization. This is what it's like to, to work here. If you like it, you'll love it. If you don't like it, you'll hate it. This is the expectations of the job. Here is how you fit on the accountability chart. Here are the five things I expect this seat to do. It's crystal clear. If you're excited about knocking it out of the park on those five things, you're going to love it here. If you don't, it's not the right job for you. You will know you better than I ever will. So I need you to sleep on this. And, 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 and if you feel great, call me back. If you don't feel great, call somebody else. That'll help us all out. And, and I'm finding that approach to everything. As you said, you're like, I'm not going to sell you. I'm going to educate you. Mm-hmm. And if you want more, you'll come back. If you felt wonky, please keep going. <laughs> <laughs> tell me so I can tell you to keep yeah. going. Yeah. So I really work to empower people to make the decisions. to like Look, the invitation's in if you feel it. Because you're going to know better than me. Yeah, you articulated that so well. You know, I've uh, there's there's only a handful of things I'm known for being good at, and one of them is um, bringing the right people in at the right time, putting them in the right seat in the bus, and watching them thrive. Yeah, right, yeah. and supporting them. And and uh, somebody asked me years ago, you know, how do you do that consistently so well? Mm, yeah, yeah, and. 
And what I say is, uh, and, and I live by this, and you just articulated it beautifully. I'm going to go back and listen to this okay. and cut that little okay. snippet out. You got, you got uh, one listener. <laughs> uh, it, it, what I say to a candidate, I narrow it down to, to the two or three candidates that I think are you know good possibilities. And then I call them in to a, a very casual setting, and I try my hardest to talk them out of working here. Yeah. You know, these are all the things that are wrong with us. These are our personality defects. This is mm-hmm. what we're fanatic about. And if you're not fanatic about it, too, you're not going to fit in. And this is, you know, these are just everything. And, hey, by the way, when I go on vacation and, da, 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 and you know, you're going to do wear two hats. And if you don't like that, I go on vacation a lot. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> you know, just everything I can do to talk them out of it. And then I send them home. I'm like, yeah. don't don't even speak to me right now. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. home and digest all that and call me back in a day or two. And, uh, you know, and, and I've gotten more brazen about it the older I get. But uh, it, it has really served me well to say, look, if I can't talk you out of working here, then two months into your job when you have a problem or there's an issue or whatever, I'm going to remind you of that. We're going to work through your little problem together and you're going to go you're, you're going to settle into some place where you really feel like, you know, you're contributing. And, yeah. Um, and do you know anybody other than me at our firm? Uh, who, who, Doug? Oh, you know Doug? Yeah. Really? Bare, oh, well, barely. from, yeah, just, okay, that's right. Um, yeah. So, uh, Doug's a perfect example, actually, but um, we won't talk about him specifically in case he listens. Uh, <laughs> although, Doug, I love you, man. Um he just got a new gig today, so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it, you know, part of what I've really endeavored to do in this firm, this time, this go around, is to look in the mirror and say, what are all the things you're weak at? Be vulnerable and admit all the things that you wish you were good at that you're not, Matt. And there's a list. And then on this hand, what are all the things you might be good at that you just hate to do, right? Yeah, yeah. And and let's try to surround you with people that do all of those things. And if and if they love those things and you love these things, then we're all going to feel like we spend a, 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 a high amount of our time in a place where doing work recharges us. And, and, and it has really served us well. And that's so awesome. There's a there's a tool in EOS called Delegate and Elevate, and it's exactly that. It's four quadrants. It's the it's the things you love to do and things you are great at. That's your unique ability. Most people get to do a little of that, and it's worth the price of admission, and it by itself, even though it's not all the time. Then there's the stuff we're good at and we like doing, which is pr- probably what we're paid to do most of the time, and it's fine. It's good. It's good enough. Uh, Maybe even great, but but not maybe necessarily electrifying. Then there's the other two quadrants, which are, we'll go to the worst one, of course, the stuff that you're bad at and hate. And you hate, yeah. That stuff's got to go. And, but that stuff's easy to identify, at least. And, and I think it's easier to, to delegate. The tricky quadrant is the stuff that you're good at, mm-hmm. but you hate. That's, that's the stuff that people keep bringing back to you, and you feel guilty by letting go. But I think that is the biggest energy suck that's the soul-sucking work. Like, you keep doing the work because there's no obvious excuse or reason to get rid of it. Well, so so a real-life example, um, Brett is my business partner. When I was 19, Brett and I were business partners. And he, he's 10 years older than I am. Uh, so I was 19, he was 29. And 
and, and we're very much different personalities and you know just not clones of each other at all and when i was 19 and he was 29 i would say yeah i know i'm good at it but i ain't doing it and he would just get furious with me he probably doesn't remember this i hope he listens and brings back some bad memories (laughs) Um, but now you fast forward to today um and 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 now when Brett says, hey, you know, would you do this? I'm like, yeah, I know I'm good at it. I don't want to do it. And he's like, cool, I got it. And it's, we've both matured, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we, we've created other mechanisms and other way to get it done. But one of the things is, is that I think, I think Brett, somewhere along the way in those 30 years, and I don't know when it happened, uh, I might not have been there that day, but he, he figured out that even though somebody might be good at something, you want them invested most of the time in what they're awesome at and what recharges them and what, what, you, what recharges know. them. But bring, yeah. Because, you know, if we're looking to outperform in everything we do, even if you're good at it and you loathe it, you're not going to bring your A game. Well, it's just really true. I mean. And so, wait, yeah. let me finish. Yeah, please. So, thank you, Brad. If you ever listen to this, um, I, our partnership is awesome and I really appreciate that part of it. Thanks for sharing. This is You're Doing It Wrong with Mark Henderson Leary. For more episodes and to subscribe, go to leary.cc.